0: maker and welcome to the opening up podcast where we are peeking into the heads and hearts of extraordinary people from all over the world. I'm your host Carolina Quash. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends or use the currency of feedback and give it a little review on iTunes. This will really help the show to spread to people that have never heard about it and who might find it fun or inspiring. If you are a Czech-speaking listener, then you will find this episode in my Kecáni bez podcast as well. Today I'm talking with Verena Erin Poloe from the My Green Closet. It's a blog, but also a YouTube channel that she's been running for years now, and it's all about sustainable fashion and sustainability in general. I discovered Erin a couple years ago when I was doing my minimalism challenge and I discovered capsule wardrobe and a whole universe opened in front of my eyes thanks to that and Arian was a huge inspiration for me because not only she has many capsule wardrobes videos where she actually goes through her wardrobe and sets up different outfits and it's very inspirational. She also makes videos about deeper issues concerning sustainability, especially in the fashion industry and she was one of the people that finally opened my eyes about fast fashion in general. What I like about Erin is that she's very gentle. She's not a sustainability Nazi that will... Put it straight in your face that you're doing something wrong. She's quite the opposite. She's, I think, educating people about how to make compromises that actually make sense in their everyday lives. And that's what we're focusing in today's conversation on as well. We talk about capsule wardrobes and how motherhood changed the way she is approaching her capsule wardrobes. We talked about impulse buying and what are the strategies that she Uses to avoid it. We also touched a big topic of furnishing her entire house secondhand and not only saving a lot of money but making her home as sustainable as possible. Last but not least, we are touching the topic of balance because I feel like that's probably the most important thing among all these trends right now so that we don't get completely lost and feel constantly guilty that we're not doing enough in all that zero waste, slow fashion, sustainability, green, organic, whatever, pressures we are putting on ourselves. If you'd like to dive a little bit deeper and you're wondering where to begin with quitting fast fashion, then Erin has an ebook that's called Quit Fast Fashion and you will find all the links that we are mentioning throughout this episode down below in the show notes. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and now I bring you Erin Balawi. Hi, Erin, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited because um, I've been, for a while now, one of your uh, patrons because I found you about two years ago I think when I was doing my minimalism challenge and I was like throwing away all that stuff (laughs) which looking back now I'm like oh my god it was so much stuff that just went to the bin but to be fair I also sold a lot of it and donated and stuff like that but that was really the first time that I uh, found anything about capsule wardrobes and you were pretty much the I don't know if it was the first video that popped up. And that's how I found you. Anyways, I just really liked you and your style. And I've been following you since. And since then also, I feel like the whole topic of sustainable fashion and sustainability in general has grown much larger than what it was two years ago. So that's what I wanted to talk uh, about with you today, mainly. So maybe just for people that don't know who you are, if you could tell us a little bit about... Your background and how you even got into the whole topic of like sustainable fashion and green life
1: yeah for sure yeah thanks um so i i guess started my sustainability journey probably about 10 years ago or so when i got a little bit more interested in my impact and reducing my impact and initially it started kind of more through like food and just kind of day-to-day lifestyle reducing energy. But then it was in, yeah, it was in 2009, I started fashion school and I actually have a degree in fashion design and technology. And in through that, I learned about how really uh, terrible the fashion industry is on so many different levels. Like when we're talking about sustainable impact, the amount of resources and energy and water and chemicals involved in just producing a single garment is really shocking and then there's also the human costs so we have labor and we have people who are you know growing the cotton and spinning fabrics and sewing and you know i'm sure we've all heard about some of the really horrible conditions that people are working in and this is all to produce clothing and when i really learned about everything that goes on behind the scenes in the fashion industry, it like shook me and I was like, I can't be part of this industry. And I really questioned sort of where I wanted my career path to go. And then I started seeing people who were doing things in a different way who were making you know better quality garments They were making garments considerate of the environmental impact of you know the human labor paying people fairly ensuring safe working conditions All that kind of stuff and back then there really wasn't a whole lot of brands doing that And that was really inspiring to me to see that there can be a different way of doing things And so that really set me on this path of researching and pursuing and trying to learn as much as I can about sustainable and ethical fashion, changing my wardrobe, how I shopped. And that kind of led me into capsule wardrobes and realizing that if I buy less, I can buy better quality things. I can buy things that, you know, better reflect my wardrobe, buy things that I'm for sure going to wear because, you know, I would... Like most people, I would buy a lot of fast fashion, wouldn't really wear it that much. Um, It would just hang in my closet. So, yeah, so that really changed my perspective on my wardrobe and building a much more consciously curated wardrobe. And then from there, I've like worked in the fashion industry a bit. And I started up my YouTube channel because I was looking, I started it up right around the time I started my first capsule wardrobe. And there really weren't a lot of other people talking about it on YouTube, talking about sustainable fashion. And I figured, oh, like, let's just share what I'm doing. And then I've been doing YouTube for I think like five years now. Um, And it's been really exciting. And I've you know, really enjoyed being able to share this. And I've also learned so much from other people, from people who are following me from other people on social media. And it's just kind of grown from there. And I, I, yeah, there's a, there's a lot still to do in terms of changing things, but I think we're, getting there. And it's really inspiring to see how many more people are talking about topics like this and sharing their wardrobes and talking about, you know, buying less, buying secondhand, all these kinds of things. So that's really exciting to see. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And
0: I remember when I first starting sorting my clothes a little bit more, like, to be fair, I didn't have much to begin with, because I moved to Australia like six years ago. And So I've been basically building my wardrobe since then for the last six years only because I left everything I had behind in the Czech Republic. But still, I have quite a bit of pieces because you know yourself how it works. Like sometimes you buy this, sometimes you buy that. And I remember it was almost exhilarating when I like uh, decluttered everything and I just had... Literally what I loved and what I used and what I wore and I loved that feeling the other day as well Or the the next day when I opened the closet. I was like, oh, this is so easy I don't really have to go through all the clothing for like 20 minutes just to figure out what I'm gonna wear today but then So, yeah, so that's one thing that, like, in the beginning, it can feel almost intoxicating in a way. Like, it's such a strange feeling. Like, you declutter the space and you declutter your mind and emotions as well, I guess. But then it's a slippery slope. Oftentimes, I feel like, you know, a lot of us do so well in the beginning, because there's the idea, there's the value, there's the motive behind it. But then over time, you start slipping into your old habits. And I just saw your, I think it's your last Instagram post uh, about how the most sustainable purchase is the one that you never make. Mm -hmm. And how important it is to resist all the sales or it doesn't even have to be a sales just whatever you see in the shops and just strikes you and you love it and you want to take it home and so I guess I have a question in terms of is it still difficult for you even after all those years to resist all these temptations or have you already or is it such an important value in your life that you don't even think about it anymore like you are aware of the fact that something looks nice and you would maybe want to buy it, but then you're like, no way, there's too much cost behind it that I can't even see. How does that work in your head when you're making decisions like that?
1: Yeah, so it's it's been really interesting how mentally things like that have shifted because shopping and buying stuff is such it really does affect us psychologically like we get a rush of dopamine Mm -hmm. when we buy things it's really exciting it feels rewarding and there's also um i made a a video about this actually like the sort of psychology of fast fashion because our brains have this kind of cost um or or like a pain pleasure balance Mm. and if we see something and it's like, oh, that's you know a beautiful garment. I'd love to own that um we you know we're already kind of getting excited about that, and then our brains will weigh kind of the like quote unquote pain of it, and if the cost is really low, it's like, oh, but it's not even it barely even costs anything like I can get this mm-hmm. wonderful you know feeling and and peace, and I'm gonna look so fantastic and you know we have all of these all this marketing um that it really does feed into our psyche and makes us want to buy things. And it's hard to to fight that and to break that. And you have to take a step back and kind of check yourself and be like, do I actually need this? Am I just getting excited? And so sales, sales are super exciting because not only can we get that piece, but we can get it for less cost. So less like of the pain of buying something. Um, and, and it for sure takes time. And I definitely still sometimes get tempted by things, but I think, I've learned quite a few tools mm. um, just from experience and from like picking things up over time and also from you know what other people do where, first of all, like I don't even go into any kind of fast fashion stores or places that I know. And I used to kind of just out of habit, if I was at a mall or something, I would browse around and in my head I was like, oh, I'm not gonna buy anything, but you still just seeing it and being there Like I said, you know, these stores are designed to make us want to buy things. So removing that, like not even going into places. And a big thing for me was changing my uh, habits around shopping because I think a lot of us shop for fun or Mm. shop because it's like a social activity. We go with our friends. Um, You're bored. And. Yeah, exactly. You're bored. There's the whole concept of like retail therapy, which I really don't like because, you know, there's so many better activities we can be doing for self-care and for our mental state than buying things. But, you know, these things are, they're very real feelings that people have and realizing that redirecting those activities. So instead of going shopping, doing something else that I enjoyed, um, going somewhere else with friends that isn't that doesn't involve shopping. That was a big shift for me because I definitely shopped for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changed things quite a bit. And then in terms of like, you know, I think we always have desires for different things. Um, you know, you scroll through social media and you see something that's really cute and think about you know, how it would work in your wardrobe. And I always try to ask myself a bunch of questions before I even Mm -hmm. consider something. So looking at like, okay, if this was something that I purchased, how long would I wear it? Like, what would I wear it with? And I have kind of a little checklist of 10 questions that I always run through. And if I can't, you know, respond to any of those questions, then it's a no purchase. And I also really try to put time between buying anything. So I wait at least a couple weeks before buying something, because it's so surprising how, if you give yourself a little bit of time, often you even forget that you wanted that thing.
0: That's another thing, right? The urgency behind the sales that like, you're gonna mm -hmm. buy it now because tomorrow it's gonna cost like three times more again, or they're not gonna have it in the store anymore. And it's this whole psychological factor as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's scarcity, right? You think, oh, I'm gonna miss this, I I need to act now. And that's another marketing technique that they use to get us to buy things. So it's, yeah, and it's tough, but it's really amazing. And I I would encourage people to try that, to, you know, if you think there's something you like, give yourself two weeks, write it down, maybe on a wish list. give yourself two weeks, and then think before you even look at your list, like what was on my list. And quite often you will forget that you even wanted that thing. So it clearly wasn't that important to you. And so those kinds of purchases that I've thought about that are still there. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I still want that then it's like, okay, maybe this is something that I actually, you know, could really use and that kind of thing. But especially to having a little uh, daughter now, there's, (laughs) there's so many adorable baby clothes, and they're so cute. And it's for (laughs) sure tempting. And it's like, oh, I could get her this adorable. But yeah, I really try to, like, she doesn't need it. She's gonna outgrow it soon. And also, there's the whole thing of like, where did it come from? Do I really need to be is the is is this worth it and quite often the answer is no it's it's just not worth it do you have those questions handy anywhere so that we could share them with other people? I do. I do. I have a blog post about it. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> can, I'll, I'll link I it down below. I can the link later. Yeah. I think it's like the, yeah, 10 questions you should always ask before oh, buying okay, something. Or, yeah. yeah no,
0: like I, I totally tried to do this myself. And I, I think even the fact that you try to have a curated wardrobe and the capsule wardrobe or something like this, even though it doesn't have to necessarily be those 33 items or how many they are, that That makes me personally think much more about what I want to buy because I sort of go through this like mental designing app in my in my <laughs> head and try to match everything with everything and if it actually makes sense to put the pieces together and then like oftentimes i'm like mm, i don't actually have anything to wear it with i would have to buy another three pieces of clothing just to wear this one so it doesn't really make sense but then i guess like yeah. another big thing is that people are not used to spend the money for the quality garments now are they yeah so like it's it's really i even for myself again like Sometimes I feel like, you were talking about the pleasure and pain uh, balance. It's totally, I totally feel like this. It's almost painful sometimes to like see Mm -hmm. yourself uh, giving all that money for one piece of clothing when like, you know, you could go to H&M and get a $7 t-shirt, right? So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I really have to remind myself of all the good reasons and things sometimes. Now, for example, we're going to be moving and... um, just like you guys did not long ago, um, had to buy a lot of stuff for a new house and or get it somewhere secondhand. That's a—it's not even clothing, right? Like it's everywhere. Like yeah. it's the cushions in the in the home decor um, departments. And again, like they're colorful and beautiful and soft, and you just you can already see yourself lying on the couch with all the beautiful cushions, and they have them <laughs> on sale. So it's like, yeah, sometimes it's very. Uh, very tiring I would say like to think about everything mm-hmm. all the time that's probably one of the reasons why people just eventually get back into their old habits a little bit so that would be my other question is like how do you find and now especially being a mum, how do you find a balance in between some level of comfort so that you're not like stressing out about making the right decision all the time and researching everything and you know driving maybe Mm -hmm. somewhere that's so much further away than what your actual local store has or whatever and yeah and making the right decision where is the balance for you how do you find it in your everyday life
1: yeah so that's a really good question it's i think it's something that's always kind of shifting and you know, we each have such different experiences and so many different, such different accessibility to things, um, whether it's like physically being able to access it or like financially. So there's a million different things we're always weighing, right? And what what I really encourage people to do, so there's two things that I think are really important to do. First of all, just like I said, giving yourself a little bit of time between that decision of, oh, I want this and I'm buying it. Even if it's like taking five minutes in the store to take a step back and think about what kind of role that new thing you're purchasing is gonna play in your life, that makes a huge difference because it breaks that impulsiveness. Because what we really want to avoid is impulsive purchases. We want to make thoughtful purchases. And so even if you just take the little bit of time in the store to think, you know, how am I going to use this? Where am I going to put it? How long is it going to last? How am I going to care for it? Is it something I can easily clean? Is it going to get dirty? You know, just kind of think about how that item works into your lifestyle. And that will already help remove those like really quick impulsive, oh, this doesn't actually work for me when I think about it purchases. And that's huge. Because I think, Impulsive purchases really are the worst kinds of things because we're literally just buying it because we want it, because it's beautiful or whatever, and not really thinking about whether it's functional and practical for us. And even if it's something decorative, it's like, do I love this? Do I really, you know, want to have this? Do I want to see this every day? Or am I going to get tired of it in a season? And and like breaking that trend cycle, really trying not to follow trends, because if we're always you know, buying what the most trendy thing is. So you're finding your personal style and saying, okay, this is something that I truly love and I'm not just buying it because it happens to be the latest trend. Because mm-hmm. I think those kinds of things are the purchases that we hang on to, that we actually use. So trying our best to avoid that. And like I said, it can be just, just a little break that you take in the store to yeah. be like, why do I want this?
0: And you mentioned a really good point about the care, how like oftentimes you buy something and then... Once you bring it home, you find out, oh, I can't actually wash this. Like it only has to be dry cleaned Mm. or hand washed or whatever. And and you're like, oh, how am I going to do that? (laughs) So that's what I try to be mindful of. Like with the cushions, for example, now I did buy one yesterday, (laughs) but (laughs) but I looked at like, how do I take care of this? Because I don't want to be in a place where like, I need Mm -hmm. to wash this. And now I'm like, oh, I can't actually wash this or it has to be hand washed. And, you know, I probably won't do that because I'm too lazy for that most of the time.
1: Yeah. And it's really good to know what your priorities are. So everybody's going to have different priorities when it comes to things. Yeah. Like care, because some people are going to want stuff that they can, you know, machine wash, other people maybe don't mind going to the dry cleaner, or whatever. So knowing what your priorities are, do you have certain priorities when it comes to like what the material is made of, or like everybody's going to have different things or how it works into your lifestyle. Um, so knowing what your top priorities are in terms of you and function, like style also, and also if you have any priorities when it comes to more like sustainable and ethical value. So I always tell people to You know, you're never going to check all the boxes. You're not going to be able to find something that's like the perfect piece. That's also, you know, the most sustainable and it's fair trade and it's, you know, locally made and all these kinds of things. If you're trying to do that, you're going to get overwhelmed and really frustrated. So I always tell and really encourage people to pick a top priority and start there. And so maybe that's, you know, buying locally made products or maybe you're going to focus on natural materials or more sustainable fibers or maybe you really care about like the ethics and you want to focus on fair trade. And so then if you just have one top priority, like it makes it a lot easier to search for those things instead of trying to do everything. Cause it's, it's impossible, especially at this point with what's available to, to check all these boxes. So even if your priority is just buying something that's good quality, that's going to last you, um, those are all fantastic. And it gives you something to focus on, which then, I think takes out a lot of that extra, um, just all that extra research and thought process and everything. Cause you, you just have one thing to focus on where I'm going to find, you know, some, try my best to find something that meets this criteria. If there's any extras, that's fantastic, but this is the one thing that I want to focus on. And I think that really helps with trying to be a bit more, um, responsible with purchases. Yeah
0: no that's definitely a really good advice because it can be super overwhelming especially then like if you also think about all the greenwashing that's another Mm -hmm. big thing right (laughs) How like a lot of brands they're like oh this is sustainable this is organic and you're like oh okay so you see the label and again like maybe you don't have time to do all the research Mm -hmm. because like you have different priorities and values in your life as well right so um but i found that there is a lot of apps right now actually where you can put the brand in and it tells Mm -hmm. you what their sustainability score actually is so i forgot the name now but i'll try to look it up and put it in the link down below later as well that's really helpful for me um i'm not sure if there's anything for other products like we were saying like maybe home decor like furniture things like that because that's another right that's another big thing
1: Uh, There are some sites that kind of do uh, ratings based. I think good on you is the one you're talking about um, for fashion. There's a couple also sites that do. Yeah, they have some kinds of like rating scores of different companies. I do think those are great as a starting point. Um, However, I would just say that their criteria are all based on different kinds of things. Right. And so they weigh things differently. They might not necessarily weigh things the same way you would. Mm -hmm. Um, like for example, I know some people who like animal rights and like animal products are extremely important to them. Right. And a lot of these apps don't weigh that as highly, Uh, uh, like cruelty free products or whatever. So it's, it's a great starting point. Like for sure. I think it's really good to be able to, to, uh, especially to know like, Oh, this company isn't actually doing very well. Um, But you do want to kind of just get a little sense of, it. does this thing actually match kind of my personal criteria Mm -hmm. when it comes to these things? Um, And it's also a little challenging with those because everything is so nuanced, right? Like one company may be doing really amazing with their products so they're have really sustainable products but maybe they have a ton of like packaging waste and they mm. ship things really horribly and yeah. so again like no company is going to be perfect and like i said focusing on one thing is really good um i do think those apps are really really valuable as a starting point so yeah. saying like you said like you're in the store you're like oh i want to get a bit more information about this company like you know, check it out. They can be really useful for that. But home decor specifically, I'm not sure if there's any. There's none that I can think of. I think there is a website, maybe. Oh, I'll look it up maybe and link it to you if I can find okay. it. But okay. I think there are a few other ones that that rate them. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's another whole topic is motherhood in these things and how like uh, <laughs> going back to your wardrobe for a bit. Um. Have you noticed i don't know how about you but for example for me i feel like my chest is wider a little bit now after having a child and hasn't really gone back and i mean you don't even have to have kids and be pregnant your body changes and sometimes Mm -hmm. for some people it changes a lot like um did you have to change your capsule wardrobe a lot because of uh having a baby like were you able to go back to your old clothing and use it as much as you used it before or like how did you even deal with all the maternity clothing i know you did a lot of um secondhand shopping which Mm. i think is is great so did you um did you give it back to charity shops afterwards or like how has pregnancy and motherhood changed your capsule wardrobe i guess uh yeah for sure
1: (laughs) so yeah, it was definitely a new experience for me. Um, having to really shift and change my capsule wardrobe through that. I did get a lot of uh maternity clothes secondhand. I think I got almost all yeah. Almost all my maternity clothes secondhand. I did get a few new pieces that I that weren't necessarily maternity clothes, but that I could wear. And I was really lucky that a lot of my pieces that I had from before also just continued to fit because I did have quite a few kind of like oversized and looser pieces, which were totally great for wearing those. And after I did donate those back to like the local thrift stores, so hopefully somebody else can use them. I do think if you're able to like give them to somebody else, that's even better. Um, unfortunately I didn't know anybody that was pregnant that could, that could use them, but that's a really great option too, to kind of like pass them around and something which I also saw, which we unfortunately didn't have here, but there are a few companies that have maternity clothing rental services, which I think is a fantastic idea. Yeah. So they send you a bunch of key pieces, um, that you could just use for, uh, your pregnancy, and then you can send them back and they get they rent them to somebody else. So concepts like that, I think, are really great. But yeah, so that, my capsule wardrobe did have to shift quite a bit um, for while I was pregnant. And then now, it's been really interesting kind of adapting my capsule wardrobe a bit. So nursing, for sure, I need like nursing-friendly tops. That's been a bit interesting. There's some pieces that I haven't really been able to carry on, both for fit and just practicality. So those pieces I currently have in storage and I'm gonna I was gonna give myself at least like six to nine months maybe even a year to kind of see where my body goes what's happening and then reassess if those are pieces that I want to continue hanging on to because it is like I love um you know so many pieces in my capsule wardrobe I absolutely love so I don't necessarily want to get rid of them if I don't have to but yeah so I'm just giving myself some time to kind of readjust and see and then reassess those pieces. Um, And I have had to get a few new pieces just to make my capsule function a bit better. And yeah, I think, I mean, you know, with any kind of body changes, you kind of have to adapt a bit and sort of see where you're at. And I tried to get pieces that were flexible with that in mind that my weight has been, you know, fluctuating and changing. So not getting pieces that are like super fit and tailored, which wouldn't fit me right away. So just, yeah, trying to be a bit conscious of that. But it's been a it's been a learning experience. And I think with any capsule wardrobe, you're never going to be at that point where you're like, it's done. My capsule wardrobe is finished. It's perfect. Like it's going to be this way for years. Mm -hmm. It's always fluctuating and changing a bit. So Yeah, I I always see it as just a learning experience and taking what I can learn from that and using it to maybe move forward, have a bit more insight into the pieces that I'm putting together for my capsules.
0: And I think the whole secondhand shopping thing is so good as well. I think like maybe... This can be partially cultural as well, but I feel like from where I come from, Czech Republic, which used to be Czechoslovakia, communist regime there and all these things, and there weren't really that many new uh, things in general that you could buy because there was just nothing on the market. People relied heavily on secondhand stuff or stuff that they made themselves. So I feel like ever since we had an actual open trade economy, people are even more crazy about all these things because they couldn't get them before, right? So we even have that, I would say, maybe... Well, on one hand, I don't think we are as consumerist as, for example, the rest of the Western world because we just weren't used to that and we're still kind of getting there. But on the other hand, like, we value new, beautiful things that you can buy Mm -hmm. in a store more than stuff that you could, you know, get as a hand-me-down or in a second-hand shop but uh yeah i think especially for my generation that's kind of hasn't been um in, affected by this as heavily that's a really good alternative as well not even mentioning the fact that oftentimes if you find more like a vintage clothing it's even better quality than what you can buy today mm-hmm. because back in the days like they made stuff to actually last right <laughs> which yeah. is kind of funny that like you might eat on uh, end up buying whatever something a sweater from the 80s that will last you for the rest of your life
1: <laughs> totally yeah it's amazing some of the quality of, of vintage pieces yeah. it's really crazy um, one more big topic
0: i would like to ask you about is the whole um new house and how you put stuff mm-hmm. into your new house and buying furnishing things like that because you moved not uh, too long ago and You kind of went on a mission of buying as few things as possible and getting as much as possible secondhand or as a hand me down or just trying Mm -hmm. some other way how to get it sustainably. And we are actually going to be moving in a couple of weeks ourselves. And I find this super exciting, this whole idea. And again, super intimidating at the same time. And (sighs) So if you maybe could tell us a little bit about this experience and touching again on the factor of like comfort versus, you know, like really focusing on your mission and doing it the way that you ideally wish for, because I can imagine like moving is stressful already without anything else. Right. And then Mm -hmm. like focusing on getting all the stuff sustainably, secondhand, preferably that must be, so exhausting sometimes as well because it takes you so much more time and effort and everything so what your experience uh has been like
1: yeah so it was it was quite an experience it definitely yeah like you said it does take time and effort um we were really fortunate so bas to go back a bit like we moved from germany to canada so we basically had nothing when it came to like furniture and home things we just had you know, a few boxes that we had in storage at my parents' place when we came back. So, yeah, like, we weren't moving with a lot of stuff at all. We basically were starting from scratch, essentially. But what we did have, which was great, is we had quite a bit of time because we knew, like, we purchased our house, I think, like, three months before we actually moved in. Um, and then before that, we were, like, looking for a house, and we were living in a a rental, so we had a furnished place, so we didn't need anything for that. So we were really fortunate that we had quite a bit of time to look for things and slowly kind of accumulate things. Because I think if you're doing a quick move, it it's really challenging. Um, a couple of things that we did, which helped us out a bit, is I kind of pre-planned the house in a way, and that was really helpful for me to wrap my head around what we needed in the space. Um, there's a, like a free tool that I found online called home by me, which allows you to input the dimensions of your rooms. And it creates like a little floor plan basically. And I found that super helpful because we measured the house quick. We were were really fortunate. And if you're looking at a house or, or renting anywhere, I would highly encourage you to like, ask if you can just measure the rooms so that you can in your head, get a sense of the size, because then before you move in, You can kind of already plan how your furniture is going to fit and that was really great because i was like okay we have this room we're going to need some kind of like sofa sitting area great we can fit something here and fit something there so i already in my head had a sense of what kinds of pieces of furniture um we wanted and and would work in the space and so that gave me a good list of things to kind of use but it's it's challenging because we also um while i do really believe in like a minimalist lifestyle and only having things you can use like you said i also want a space that's comfortable that Mm -hmm. has some style to it like i'm definitely not into the blank white like no furniture sort of look i do want a place that really feels homey um so i tried to kind of use what was already existing in the space and kind of use that to our advantage so things like there cuz w- when we moved in the people before us had left quite a bit of storage and mm-hmm. they also had done some really interesting things where they would, like there was wood paneling on the walls um and so i tried to take what was already there and kind of use it in in our style and then in terms of setting up the space i just scoured like online buy sell sites for things that i knew that we needed and once i picked a piece or picked like a color in the room i sort of built it around that mm-hmm. And that made it a bit easier again to kind of focus on so if we're looking for you know a large piece or i already decided like oh i'm gonna have like a big wooden table okay what else do we need in the space like let's plan it around that and really thinking back to what do we use on a day-to-day basis and what's actually functional in our lives and i wanted to start off with kind of the minimum amount of things and then only buy more things especially when it comes to kitchen stuff i found that really useful so it's like okay we're going to need for sure like a pan, maybe two different sizes of pots, um, like some bowls, plates, that kind of thing. But let's start off with as minimum of stuff that we actually need. And then when we're cooking and making things in our kitchen, if we're continuously thinking, oh, we really could use this, we really mm-hmm. could use that, like a toaster, for example, like we didn't get a toaster at first. And then quite often we were like, oh, it'd be nice to have some toast. We could really use some toast. <laughs> like, that's, you know, and we were like toasting in the pan and it was like this let's we actually like obviously need a toaster let's get a toaster so we tried to kind of yeah live in the space a bit before we added on some of those extra pieces and I found that really useful to make sure it was things that we that we did need and then also you know asking friends and family if there's so many people that have how like home things that they don't use at all Mm -hmm. um We had quite a few family members that were like, oh, you're moving. I have some extra these things. Like, do you want them? That kind of thing. So, yeah, getting stuff from from friends and family was really useful. I don't know if you guys have this in Canada, but here in Australia
0: we have uh, what's called rubbish days where people just put Mm. stuff they don't want anymore in front of their houses and then the council comes and collects it. But before they do that, you've got kind of like two days or so. And people oftentimes take stuff just from the street because it's sometimes it's really good still, you know, nothing wrong with it. It's just that, I don't know, maybe people just are bored of it or they, you know, it doesn't fit their style anymore. And I kind of like the upcycling thing again how like yeah. you can even you know you can buy a spray bottle and like spray it into a different color than what it originally was and give it a new coating of of paint or whatever and all of a sudden you have pretty much a brand new piece of furniture unless it's you know obviously broken or something wrong with it that you've got bugs in in there or something <laughs> but yeah. but that's uh that's another uh pretty good thing and again i i guess it's a lot about getting over that mindset and mentality of like oh you're moving into a new home, so everything needs to be new yeah. as well and has to have that kind of a new smell of you know like yeah newness
1: <laughs> and it's like I was looking at you know what people spent to furnish homes and it's unbelievable the amount like things can cost we I believe I like, when I calculated out to furnish an entire house from scratch, I think we spent about five thousand Canadian dollars. And that was everything. That was all our furniture. That was and when I was looking at other people, they were spending like a lot of estimates were like, oh, it's like at least you know it's thousand dollars just to furnish one room, yes. like a living room or something like that. Um, so it's super budget friendly if you're able to, yeah, focus on secondhand things, only focus on what you need, and we got like absolutely everything we 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 need. Um, and it's also like when you're talking about upcycling and using those pieces, something that I also think is good to remember is if you're getting things secondhand, you're, you can oftentimes resell it for mm-hmm. what you got for it. Or if you got it for free, you know, you can give it away. And so you can use that to also test out things. So maybe it's yeah. not the most perfect piece, but you're like, okay, I really need a shelf. We need something, you know, here to put this stuff on, you know, get that secondhand shelf. Um, if it doesn't end up working out, it's not like, oh, we spent, you know, $200 on this. Yeah. You don't have that same guilt I found. So you can pick it up, you know, if you get it secondhand or if you even better got it for free. If you find something better along the line, then you can give that to somebody else or resell it. And and I found that was kind of a bit liberating because it didn't feel like, Oh, I'm making all these new purchases. I mm-hmm. wanna make sure it's like the exact right piece yeah. that I'm gonna have for the next ten years. Cause I do really believe in buying quantity uh buying quality pieces that are gonna last. But I just find that if I get it second hand, there's that sort of freedom to be like, I could also, yeah. you know, let this go if I find a better option that works a bit better for us. So that took that pressure off, I think. What's the most frustrating in this process for me is the communication
0: with people because sometimes it's oh, like, gosh. oh man. So that's when I get really impatient when like, you know, I've been texting with someone for like three days and then they just all of a sudden stop communicating or whatever. Like you probably know this all too well <laughs> from from your experience. And that is very exhausting and draining because, you know, no. you've got already all these other things going on as well. And that's usually when I snap and when I'm like, when I'm like okay that's it let's just go and buy something in the store Mm. because I just can't handle this anymore
1: (laughs) and I've noticed that that is different it's definitely very cultural I've noticed because different places I've lived people interact with those kinds of like buy sell sites Mm. differently um and that's been really interesting because i found like in some places like a lot more people they're way more likely to list things and to get stuff and there's more of a I guess, openness and like a sharing culture. And some places people are very much like uh, strict about it. And, you know, there is not that kind of like, yeah, that that, I guess that openness um, about it. So I totally know what you mean. It can be really frustrating. But yeah, I've interestingly noticed that it does seem to be different kind of based on whatever city you live in and how people use those platforms, which is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. But it was only to illustrate the fact how, like, for me, oftentimes it comes down da- comes down to, again, talking about the balance and how, like, um, I'm just getting too stressed out about yeah. this whole thing. And, like, even though my intention was good and I still stand by it, I just, like, can't handle this anymore at the moment. And sometimes it is regarding things that you have to get immediately right so it's not like you can wait another three months so let's say if we're buying uh, a couch for example like you know something to sit on in the living room so then I'm just, like, I already decided about this one. Like, we're getting that in a store. Like, we're going to pay some money, but, you know, even some extra money for it. But just getting what we want, when we want it, and not communicating Mm -hmm. with someone for months. And then, in the end, not having anything because somebody changes their mind or whatever.
1: Yeah. What we did was we set ourselves deadlines for certain things mm -hmm. that we knew that. And it's like, okay, if we can't find the right piece by, you know, in two weeks then we're going to go okay. with like a new piece. That's that's how we dealt with it anyways, because there were certain pieces that we knew that we needed something pretty specific. Mm. Um, and we were you know, looking quite a bit and it was like, okay, if we can't find anything by this time, then we'll get something new. Uh, and that, I found, worked out pretty well, too, because it was like, okay, we'd search, maybe talk to a few people. If it didn't work out, it's like, okay, well, we, we tried, you know. We gave That's a really good tip, actually. Them.
0: I think that's very helpful. And so how many uh, things maybe just proportionally do you end up buying new in the end?
1: Um, I'm trying to think. We purchased, so the biggest thing that we purchased new was we needed a sofa bed for the mm. basement as just like a place for guests to sleep Mm -hmm. and I was very particular about the kind of sofa bed that we got and I you know there's of course like cleanliness issues with beds and mattresses and that whole kind of thing so there was a lot going into that um, and a lot of pieces that I didn't feel comfortable getting secondhand like I wanted something that wasn't if it was used I didn't want really want it to be it was basically like a like new or barely ever been used kind of condition and possibly even just without the mattress and we'd get a new mattress, so that kind of thing. Um, So that was the biggest purchase that we made new just because I couldn't find what I wanted um, and what fit our needs. And then I'm trying to think of anything else big. I think we got maybe a couple other... Maybe like I would say maximum maybe like five percent of the stuff we got was maybe purchased new, Um, and some of it was just some weird odds and ends things that we couldn't like garbage cans actually surprisingly I was like oh it's it's literally a garbage can we should be but people don't yeah resell or give away garbage we had to buy a new garbage can which really bothered me because. Yeah, because it's obviously a thing for garbage, but I just couldn't find any. <laughs> Maybe it's just people need them too much because they're wasting
0: so much stuff. All yeah, the time. exactly.
1: <laughs> so I, I thought that was really like ironic. Um, so a few little, yeah, odds and ends, things like that yeah. that we just couldn't find. We picked up new, but in terms of big furniture pieces, we got almost everything. I'm thinking through almost everything secondhand, except for yeah, I think one big, the big sofa bed and a dresser. I believe that we also got new. That's sure. really impressive. Yeah, mm. I mean, but we, like I said, we were really lucky. We had a lot of time to yeah to work through that and mm. and and collect things. So that really worked out well for us.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for all the tips. I think I'll be using them myself because yeah, the the app that you have mentioned with the floor plan making, my home yeah. uh, home by me was was cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and even though all the other
1: things. Okay. Yeah, I know. Software. I mean, I know that that's, it's quite a lot to deal with. And I think honestly, anything you can do, like, yeah, just to kind of touch on this again, you know, going back to this idea of priorities and, you know, you're never ever going to do anything a hundred percent, but I think just remembering like anything I am able to do, that's a great step. And that's, you know, so much better than what... (sighs) you know, what we're kind of conditioned to do and what society, like you said, there's so much pressure to do all these things. And then there's personal pressures, there's time pressures, there's all these things. So whatever you can do, even if it's just, oh, I'm going to focus on buying pieces that we're going to have a long time, like stuff that I really like, that already is a huge step. So I think focusing on those positives and what you can do instead of getting hung up on the things you can't do or the things that don't work out. I think that's really important to kind of keep that, that mindset of, of any step you're taking is a really good step
0: yeah it's also good in uh lowering the stress levels
1: <laughs> when you <laughs> when you're getting yeah. into
0: this yeah okay well thank you so much erin i know you got around, run so i don't want to hold you much longer but thanks for taking the time and speaking with me today
1: well, thank you this was a lot of fun yeah same for me
0: thanks a lot for listening i hope you found the conversation inspiring if you did Please don't forget to share it with the world or leave it a little review. I'll be thrilled if you send me any feedback or a little love note to my Instagram account at Carolina underscore or you can check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks again. I hope you have a great day and until next time, Bye.